come to the waters of 1 Timothy 4, where the Lord Jesus gives us to drink from the river of life. 1 Timothy 3, verse 14 through 4, verse 16, page 1178 in your pew Bibles. Page 1178, after giving instructions on worship and church government, Paul writes in 3 verse 14, he writes as an apostle of Christ Jesus, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. He, Christ, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Six through nine are our text this morning. If you put these things before the brothers... You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we've set our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is God's word. May he bless our hearts and lives by it. We're looking then at... Verses 6 through 9 this morning of 1 Timothy 4. With God's help, brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus, in order to be an athlete, not that I know much about that, but in order to be an athlete, you need two things. You need natural ability. You need inner natural ability. And secondly, 
You need good training to develop those abilities or you'll get nowhere with your Internatural abilities, or you won't get far. Internatural ability, but also good training to develop those abilities. In order for the Christian to become godly, you need two things an inner spiritual life, Christ living in you by the Spirit through faith. You need Christ living in you, the seed of godliness. But you also need good training to develop that seed of Christ, to develop the Christ-likeness in you, or you won't get far. You can be strict in your religion, but unless Christ is living in you, you can't be godly. You can be strict, but you can't be godly. Strictness then is just an outward veneer that will one day fall apart. But when Christ does live in you by faith, You need good training for that spiritual life to grow into godliness, to water that seed and develop it and stake it out so it grows straight. And in this passage, Paul commands young pastor Timothy, train yourself for godliness and to do this as an example for the believers. And that's not just for himself. It's for the whole church. Train yourself for godliness. When I actually bring point three to number one, it's effective power, effective power of godliness, the exercise program for godliness, and the eternal promise of godliness. First, it's effective power. It's the good doctrine, the word of Christ. And exercise all you want in godliness, but if that word is not in you, you have no power to grow in Christ and become godly. Look at verse 6. Paul says to Timothy, if you put these things, these teachings about godliness, and against the false truth to godliness, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant, a good minister of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Godliness. Godliness is the beautiful fruit of faith. Faith comes when the Holy Spirit plants the tree of Christ in you. And then that seed of the tree of Christ grows to become a beautiful tree of godliness. Filled with all the fruit of the Spirit. Imagine that, being a tree. And you've got love fruit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't that a beautiful tree? That's godliness. The Holy Spirit plants that in you. When he plants the seed of Christ in you. And then he grows that in you as you train yourself for godliness. What is godliness? It's living your life in the fear of God. It's striving in every action, in every choice, in every emotion to give glory to God. He's just spoken of an application of godliness in chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Godliness is even involved in not forbidding marriage. 
and requiring abstinence from foods, but receiving marriage and food with thanksgiving and consecrating them by the word of God and prayer, even eating and drinking to the glory of God. That's godliness. Covering your whole life, not just how you pray publicly and how you dress to go to church. Godliness covers your whole life, living in the fear of God at all times, in all things. And if you just walk with me through some passages in 1 Timothy, you'll see how godliness is a major theme in this book. Go back to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Let's look a few verses around this train yourself for godliness verse. But chapter 2, 1 and 2. Paul says, first of all, I want you to pray for all people, for kings and those in authority. Why? So that we may live a quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Godliness. And then look at verse 8. He says, I want men to come to worship raising holy hands. 2 verse 8. Without anger or quarreling, I want you to come to worship as godly men. And then verse 10. And I want women to dress themselves in the beauty of good works because you are women who profess godliness. And then you jump ahead to chapter 3. All these characteristics that are required of an overseer and a deacon. What's required? Talent isn't mentioned. Education, wealth, intelligence. Godliness is a summary. Godliness in all of life. And then in verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16, he tells us where this godliness comes from, where we can run to get it. Great is the mystery of godliness, Christ was manifested in the flesh. Vindicated by the Spirit, that's his resurrection, seen by angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed upon in the world and taken up into glory. Christ living in you is the mystery of godliness. That's where you get the power to change from in your life. You see sin and you want to get rid of it? Christ is the mystery, the miracle, the wonder of godliness. You want to see more gentleness, more of the fruit of the Spirit? Christ is that mystery of godliness. Go to him. And then in chapter 4, he says, train yourself for godliness. Verse 7 and verse 12, because you've got to set an example for believers. And then if you jump ahead, one more passage, 6, verse 12. Go ahead to 6, chapter 6, verse 12. Flee the love of money. Flee all these things. He says to Timothy, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, godliness. Godliness is extremely important for the believer. Unfortunately, it doesn't get enough emphasis in our culture of easy believism. What's that? We want Jesus to save us, but we don't want Jesus to change us. 
Because we don't really love him. We want salvation without godliness. That's what we want in our culture, in the Christian church. It's not real. Brothers and sisters, the seed of Christ lives in you by the Holy Spirit who gives faith. You'll want godliness and your greatest grief is where you lack in it. That's what tortures your soul, vexes you. I trust that's the way it is for us people of God. We believe and know the truth and we want to grow in it and live in it. We want to be godly men and women and children, don't we? Don't you? Don't you want to be godly? Beautiful? The fruit of the Spirit growing in you more and more with more and more ripeness and maturity? But remember, remember first of all that the power of our godliness doesn't come from how hard you work at it. And how much you train for it. Train yourself for godliness. The power of it doesn't come from how hard you work at it and train for it. But in Christ himself, the mystery of godliness, who lives in us by his spirit through faith. Notice what he says in verse 6. Paul says to Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. And then notice, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. As a servant of Jesus Christ, who leads and teaches the believers, Timothy, you yourself are being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine you follow. Being trained should actually be translated being nurtured, nourished. So, Timothy, you were taught the truth of the gospel from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice? You got your seminary training from the Apostle Paul where you learned the good doctrine of Christ? But now notice how he puts it in the present. You are still being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you followed. These words you heard, you believed. This message saved you, but you continue to eat from it, be nourished by it. And that's the power of godliness in Timothy's life. Train yourself for godliness, but remember, it comes from being nourished on the good doctrine. That's where the godliness is found. That's the source. That's the power. If you exercise yourself in all kinds of spiritual disciplines, but don't trust in Christ and don't feed on him and don't commune with him, again, you might be strict, you might be conservative, but you won't be godly. Timothy continues to be a student. He's never finished learning. He's never finished growing. He's never finished eating and drinking Christ. He is being trained or being nourished, present tense, in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that he has followed. What are the words of the faith? It means the key truths of the Christian message, the faith, the doctrine. And again, he speaks of the good doctrine. You're being trained or nourished on the good doctrine. It's, again, the true doctrine of Jesus Christ found in all of the Bible, a faith summary or faithful summary of Christ-centered 
biblical teaching, such as what we find in the Heidelberg Catechism and Belgic Confession and Canons of Dort. It's the good doctrine, a summary of what the Bible teaches. And in this good doctrine, Timothy, you meet Jesus. You encounter the real Christ, who's the mystery of godliness. You rub shoulders with him, and you commune with him. And Jesus, through the good doctrine, through his word, through biblical truth, brothers and sisters, nourishes you for godliness. He's your diet for godliness. No point in doing any training without the diet of Jesus. Feeding on his word. Communing with him in scripture. So let's never stop learning Christ, being students of the Bible. One of the greatest tragedies in the church is that a young person will go through Sunday school and his youth programs, her youth programs, catechism, and then they get to their late teenage years and that's the last they ever study of doctrine and do Bible study. They're done with it. That's not a recipe for godliness. That's a recipe for going astray. Let's be eager to learn the truths of the Bible. Thirst for God like a deer for water. Paul says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. What's the word? Richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Anemically. No, no. Richly. So that's the power of godliness. Feeding, being nourished on the good doctrine, the Bible. It's central teachings. Because Christ, crucified or risen from the dead, taught in Genesis, all the way from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Learning a whole Bible biblical theology. Secondly, And now exercise with that. Do your spiritual exercises with that word. Have nothing, verse 7, to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Godliness doesn't happen automatically, brothers and sisters. Doesn't just grow up in you by itself while you play computer games or while you live as a news junkie or even while you immerse yourself in your career. It doesn't just grow up automatically. No, godliness requires difficult, diligent, spiritual training, effort, sweat. There's an interesting word used here in the New Testament by the Holy Spirit in verse 7. Train yourself for godliness is gymnase yourself. Gymnase yourself for godliness. In other words, get yourself into Christ's gymnasium for regular spiritual workouts to build up your godliness. Regular spiritual workouts to build up your godliness. Just like great athletes are also made, not just born. They have to work hard at it. 10,000 hours of training to run 100 meters in 10 seconds. Got to work at it. Or like great singers need both talent and training. One guy I read about is training to become an opera singer. And, and he's, he's got this flaw in the way his throat produces sound. And 
He needs to gain better control over the opening of his throat. And it's going to take him a whole year of painstaking abdominal and vocal training just to take it one step forward in this to become an opera singer. Got to have it in you. But then you got to work with it. And work out with it. And grow in it. And that's also true for Christian believers. Exercise yourself unto godliness, has one translation. Train yourself, gymnase yourself unto godliness. We must do our spiritual exercises. And constantly work toward becoming more and more spiritually fit, more godly, more like Christ, more like Christ saved us to become. We want to glorify God by looking beautiful like his son Jesus, conform to his image. Don't we? And, and that takes exercise. That takes training. To work with the salvation that we've been freely given in Christ. But how do we do that? What is it that produces godliness? Christ himself, as we encounter him in the words of the faith and the good doctrine. But now we got to do workouts with the good doctrine. With the words of the faith. Got to do workouts with that. You got to exercise our souls with the good doctrine and as it were squeeze as much out of the word and get as much blessing and energy out of it as we can out of Christ who's given himself to us in the gospel and that means approaching the word of God the good doctrine in a steady diligent way by developing good spiritual disciplines in your life can't just sort of douse yourself in the word once a month when you're feeling low. I, I need a little Jesus energy right now. Douse yourself once a month and then dump him for the rest. You're not going to become godly that way. Train yourself means regular workouts with Christ through his word in his good doctrine. What does that look like? Going to church faithfully to hear the word, not just when it's convenient for you, but stretching yourself to do so. Preparing yourself before you go to church to get as much out of the word as you can. That means a week of communing with your Savior. You can't shut Jesus off for six days and suddenly turn him on in day seven and expect to, to flourish in the courts of the Lord. Now, if we have been living that way and we repent of that and come to the house of the Lord, recommitting ourselves, asking for forgiveness, recommitting, he will surely bless you. And pray for that to continue then all seven days the next week. And the week following. But going to church faithfully to hear the word. Preparing yourself to get as much out of the word as you can. Being part of a Bible study and attending diligently. Sometimes we have a bit of a, a feel-good mentality. If you go twice in the fall and twice in the spring. And for the rest of the time, well, other stuff got in the way. No, no, no. That's not committing yourself to a Bible study or to young people or to a youth program. 
It means personal Bible study. Personal Bible reading and study and meditation. The man of God meditates on the law of God day and night. Family worship, it means, and all with prayer. It means using the sacraments faithfully, asking Christ to strengthen your faith, hope, and love as you encounter him in baptism and in the Lord's Supper. The exercise program for godliness, working out diligently, prayerfully, and intentionally in the gym of God's holy word. So that that word gets worked and massaged into your heart and life more and more and you grow in faith and in every grace. It doesn't come automatically. It doesn't come easily. It comes gymnastically. Gymnase yourself unto godliness. A few years ago, the young people studied an excellent book and I commend it to everyone on this matter of Discipline Yourself for Godliness by David Mathis, M-A-T-H-I-S. David Mathis, Habits of Grace. Really practical suggestions for how you might exercise your soul unto godliness. Commune with Christ in a regular disciplined way in his word. It requires commitment, brothers and sisters, and routine and immersing yourself. I love the way Paul says to Timothy at the end of your the end of the chapter immerse yourself in these things and let all men let everyone see your progress immerse yourself in this training program Timothy I want everybody to see you make progress Lord give everyone here progress in godliness this season of going to school this season of bible study this season of youth programs this season of family worship this season of personal devotions this season of gathering in the courts of the lord on the lord's day i want progress And I want people to see my progress, not for my glory, but because I want them to be blessed by me for your glory. Isn't that a great desire? We live in a world where people devote much more time to bodily workouts than soul workouts. They're much more disciplined when it comes to sweating for physical fitness than sweating for spiritual fitness. If the soccer coach makes you run till you're nearly dead, that's no problem. You want to excel. But if your Bible teacher works you hard to memorize a whole book of Ephesians, we'll likely fire him. How dare you make us do that? Exercise yourself unto godliness. Does that desire live in you? Are you seeking to grow in godliness? If it doesn't, there can only be two reasons. Either Christ doesn't live in you and he's of no interest to you and you have no energy for him and you need to repent of your Christlessness that you're not saved. Turn to him. Ask him to save you from your sins, to live in you 
and give you a new heart and a new life and a new desire. Plant the seed of Christ in me so that I may want to grow in godliness. Either that or you're backsliding and you've lost your zeal for the Lord. You've lost your first love. You're just coasting. You're no longer spending diligent time in the word of God. And then remember the promise. You return to him and he'll return to you. Repent of your backsliding, seek him. There's always turning a new page with the Lord Jesus. Always. Then there's the eternal promise of godliness. Rather, he says, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds Promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. What saying? I think it's the saying that comes before verse 9, not the one that comes after. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Bodily training has some value. For this life, brothers and sisters, you're more fit, stronger, have more endurance, more energy, and are healthier. You get more done. You will do better. You may even be happier and have a more positive outlook. Its value and benefits are real but limited. And eventually you'll succumb to wrinkles, sags, flab, fatigue, dementia, and death. All the benefits of physical training, writes one author, expire at death. You can't take your biceps with you. You know that. So it has some value. But godliness has value in every way, holding promise both for this life and for the life to come. It has immense dividends in this life, making a huge difference in your friendships, your marriage, your work habits, your behavior at school. Your way of dealing with your brothers and sisters. Your parenting. Your use of money and time and of your phone. Your way of talking. It makes us better students, employers, employees, team players, husbands, wives, moms and dads, and church members. It makes a huge difference in how we respond to joys and sorrows, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty. It holds promise for the present life. It has, it's of value in every way, it says. Isn't that a great word? Every way. It holds promise for this life, the present life, and also for the life to come. When you hang out with Jesus on a very regular basis and sit at his feet with fixed attention on him to learn from him, you cannot fail to become godly. Your life will bear much fruit when you abide in the vine, says Jesus in John 15. When you abide in the vine. And his beauty and glory and holiness and gentleness and peace and joy will emanate from your life in every way. And that you will take with you. Holds promise for eternal life. You can't take your biceps with you. You will take your godliness with you. 
Blessed are those who die in the Lord, says the book of Revelation. Their deeds will follow them. You'll take that with you. No, they won't go before you, your deeds, to open the way. They can't save you, but they'll follow you. As evidence that you lived and died in Christ. And God will graciously reward believers for their works. The Bible is very clear on that. You'll take it with you. And when we come before him on that day, dressed in Christ's righteousness, he'll also see, God will also see how we've lived for him. And he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. This saying is trustworthy It deserves full acceptance that godliness is a value in every way holding promise both for this life and for the life to come. So step into God's gym and train yourself for godliness. The rewards are truly out of this world. So you have to work at it really hard, but... You don't trust in your work, your exercise to become godly. You trust what you're working out in. The Bible, Christ, he's the mystery of godliness. You trust him to change you as you commune with him. The confidence is not in your exercise, your routine, your daily disciplines, spiritual disciplines. The confidence is in Christ. That's where the power is. And that's what he says in verse 10. We strive for this because we've set our hope on the living God. He's the savior of all men and especially those who believe. We've set our hope on him. That's where the power is. Let's trust in him so much that we want to work out in him every day. Amen. Heavenly Father, you've given us the mystery of godliness in your son. You've planted that mystery in us by your spirit. And now we want to grow in godliness. We want that seed to develop. We want to become more beautiful in the fruit of the spirit. We want to enjoy the benefits of godliness in every area of life. We want no part of life left untouched. And our greatest grief is where we lack. Lord, give us the desire to grow. The confidence in Christ to grow. The diligence to grow. And the growth itself. This we pray in Jesus' name. 